Hey, Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast. Hi, Jake. How's it going? And hi, Ned. Hello. So for a couple of weeks, we've been teasing this, uh, listeners. We said uh, we're going to have Ned Kenny on, the creator, founder, uh, originator of the Laughable app. And um, let's just uh, jump right in there. Um, well, it wouldn't have, ta- wouldn't have taken two weeks if I hadn't forgotten how calendars work. So no, I, I, apologize, I apologize for last no time. No worries. Thanks for being on the show, man. Fortunately, I was not kidnapped. I'm yeah. just an idiot. Um, I th- did we say that? I forget. Did we say we were kidnapped by a Mexican drug cartel? That seems familiar to me now. I might have. I might have put that out into the world. Well, I, I hope it was. I just hope it wasn't ISIS, man. You know, I, whoever got you, I hope it wasn't ISIS. And they haven't. Here. They haven't. They haven't caught me yet. Not yet. Okay, so let's let's jump right in. Um, I explained to listeners when I said you were going to be on that you found at the Laughable app, which is one place you can find us, and the thing. I, I mentioned in in passing was back in the day, um, and by back in the day, I literally mean like six months ago or a year ago, because that's how fast technology moves. My wife would listen to a podcast and say, ooh, ooh, you have to listen to this episode. It's fantastic. So she would literally click a button on her phone that said, share this episode. And this happened a lot. It happened to me trying to get sent it to friends. I think I sent one to Jake. So you'd click a button that said, share this episode. And when I would receive it, when when the person you were sharing it with would receive it, you just got like that podcast's webpage or the 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 library. So, well, which episode did you want me to instead of giving that? It said share a single episode, but you got this library, so you didn't know which one. Well, do you want me to listen to episode one or twenty? And you just the reason I asked you to be honest, like, oh yeah, Ned's out there. We're on his thing. You had released a. Um, a uh, service that allows you to share directly now straight to Facebook and straight to Twitter. And uh, so, yeah, that's what brought it up. But let, let's go back to the beginning. You founded the Laughable app. Tell us exactly what that is so I don't get it wrong and where the idea uh, originated from in your noggin, in your brain. What made you dream that up? So the Laughable app today is an iPhone app that lets you search for a lot of different comedians and podcasts. Um, the focus is comedy, but we, we have plenty of, uh, of non-comedy content as well. And you can see all the podcasts that somebody's been on as a host or a guest. So it's just an easy way for people to uh, you know, find new comedians and, and podcasts to enjoy. Uh, and then we do try to make sharing easier because uh, that is one thing that, that you know, we, are, we are working on um, that nobody in podcasting has really figured out fully, which is how do you get people to share episodes all the time? Like podcasting is kind of a solitary nice. activity, so that's I think really the key to to bringing in a lot a lot more listeners to all this stuff. Um, so that's the app today, um, and then where we want to go with this is to build this comedy marketplace that lets comedians and podcasters and other artists reach as big an audience as possible. Uh, you know, to be heard. Um, you know, and hopefully to make a better living off of whatever they're creating. You know, for some comedians, that's podcasts. It might be, you know, stand-up comedy for, for others of them. Live events is another thing that we're, you know, tickets to live events is another another thing that we are slowly but surely uh, moving into. So, um, you know, we want to help both fans and creators of comedy. That's really kind of the overall mission uh, of Laughable. As far as how I started this, uh, I had nothing to do with with comedy professionally before this. See, that was uh, I was going to be my next question is like, let's get your background. I'm glad you jumped there already. Is 
is Jake, you gotta stop sniffing because I'm gonna have to edit all that fucking shit out. It'll just I be got like allergies, <laughs> bud. I can't help it. It's like literally in the background. I go through and edit that shit out. <laughs> it's like all I hear is fucking sniffing. Anyway, sniffing that I'm leaving good. in. It's, I'm it's, leaving it's, me it's, yelling it's at Jake life, in the People podcast. People get allergies in real life. <laughs> um, that's right. We're Jake's keeping it real by sniffing into everyone's ears. Um, Damn right. It's like it's like Trump during uh, what was that the first debate? Yes, yes, yes. The 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 constant sniffing. Um, I, yeah, I allergies. At least you could say you were on coke. Off of Trump's first debate. At least you Every could time. say, "Oh, I'm doing blow or something and make it interesting." But no, you yeah. went with allergies. How boring is that? All right, fine. I was I was doing a bump off of Kevin Spacey's dick just now. <laughs> Which Live, he liked. Right here we wondered podcast. where he's been. He's in New York. Okay, so so you're not a comedian, Ned. Do you just did you grow up with a love of comedy? What or did you just see a business opportunity? Is this um, a benevolent mercenary act, or just you know what? I love comedy. I have a problem organizing my comedy. So so as someone that had no background in comedy, what made you look to comedy? Yeah, I, well, answer one of those questions is I am definitely not a comedian, uh, and and never will be. But uh, I've always I've always liked comedy. Uh, I'd say when I was younger, it was more about music for me, like starting with classic rock. Probably when I was in middle school, that was really what like what okay, I but really what is loved. what is classic um, rock to you? Because that's that's a subject that. And by the way, this podcast goes free form. We ask a question, then interrupt, and then 10 minutes later we realize we're off the question, because when I hear a classic rock station now, I hear Van Halen and Motley Crue, and I'm like, Jesus goddamn Christ, no, that's no, not no, no, classic no. I'm rock. Talking about, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the Beatles and CSNY. Okay, yeah. So so actual classic rock, not what the kids today are calling classic. Like, you're old, dude. Motley Crue. Like, the first time I heard Motley Crue on a classic rock station, I almost shit a brick not because it I think it's I was fair old. to put 80s in classic rock at this point man but I, I think it was heavy fair. metal when they came out it was like these guys are Satan worshipers they're evil and now they're mainstream I mean is, is that just how they've changed or how society has changed I don't know but I don't like it yeah it's all kind of lumped in now which is kind of a bummer but what was that I was I was in middle school in what the early two thousand late 90s early 2000s so. yeah you know, Guns N' Roses was 10, 15 years old at that point. So I think it, that at that point there was still a, a big separation between those 80s bands and like you know kind of that first wave of of, uh, of rock bands. Well, yeah, but now 87 was what 30 years ago. I mean that yeah. that would be like if if you played uh, music from 1957 on a classic rock station in 1987. That's fair. That's classic rock at that point. I feel. Well, That's but true. is it is it just by uh, is it an age designation or is there a separation due to styles? Because as I said, like Van Halen would be considered hard rock or party rock because they were always upbeat. Uh, Motley Crue was considered heavy metal. I don't think I, I've heard Rush on a classic rock station, and I'm not sure that's prog rock. Like, do you just take these different styles, and once they reach thirty years, go ah fuck it, it's all classic? Yeah, where's the where's the cutoff point? Because then if you're listening to Guns N' Roses, then you're basically going to start bleeding into Pearl Jam on the other side of that. Exactly. And again, it's true. Motley Crue to Pearl Jam, Motley Crue to Rush, not the same. So I, I'm not sure an age designation works. So you are into classic rock, and then... Well, that was the first, like, as far as media that I really, really loved getting into. It was more it was more about music. I was, always enjoyed comedy, but uh, it was probably wasn't until I was in, like like, high school, college, when I started getting into stand-up um sadly now uh you know louis was really the person who inspired me to get into into stand-up it's, it's a, a bummer um that that uh that 
he behaved the way he did and that, I, you know, I think what we're, what we're learning from this is that it's not just that, you know, women had to deal with this stuff, but also that there was, you know, some element of retribution afterward. Well, I think that's so much worse. But uh, look, you know look, what? The well, person look, look. who got me into comedy was the person who got me into comedy. So, uh, you know, yeah, there's I, nothing not wrong gonna... with that. But let's let's yeah. sidetrack again. Again, we we ask a question and then interrupt. Um, I like wor- it. Worst kept secret in, in all of comedy. I mean, I, I'd known about the Louis shit for years. I met him in 2004 and I've only talked about it on the side. I've never talked about it publicly because, you know, who am I? I'm a nobody. But he was a real dick to me in 2004. I I, I met him. I was opening for him. And I said, oh, hi, how are you? And I put my hand out. My, my name is Nathan. And he just looked at me and turned and walked away. I'm like, all right. Well, great. Good to see how this is going to go. Like, I just all I did was introduce myself. Um but anyway, let, when let's I talk met about... Louis C.K., I instantly started masturbating in front of him before he even got the chance. I'd heard the rumors. I'm like, yeah, you're not beating me to the gun. No. God, is that where, is that where he got it from? Maybe you taught him. Oh, well, there you um, go. No, it's this all is after Jake's I heard fault. the rumors. I was just like, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make a preemptive strike here. I'm going to start masturbating the second he walks into the room. This is uh, the point where Jake will tell you I say this all too often, where I apologize for what I'm about to say, where because I, I, I like to soften the blow, and then Jake thinks I'm going to drop this huge bomb uh, or say something completely wrong, and then it's usually not that bad. Um, I want to be clear that what Louis did was wrong. I do not condone it. I do not agree with it. I, I would not want my wife or daughter or mother or any of my friends or any woman anywhere to have to deal with it. That's a brave that? stance. Most people are going the other way. They're being pro Louis jacking right now. You're you're a courageous man. That said, I mean, it's not like Weinstein where he was cornering them, touching them. It's it's literally every every uh, uh, statement is he said, "Hey, can I masturbate in front of you?" And that's what he did. And I. I I know I'm coming from a male standpoint. So if I was somewhere and and, and a friend of mine like, dude, I'm going to jerk off right now. I'd be like, why? Just stop. And then if he did it anyway, I'd be like, dude, you're fucking gross, whatever. But I would move on with my life. It wouldn't leave me scarred and traumatic. What I think the worst aspect of it is and, and is the the punishment after the you shut up about this, the manager threatening careers or actually I, damaging I careers. Yeah. yeah. Because when it comes to if it, it's wrong, it's gross, he shouldn't do it. But if literally that's what it is, is like, hey, I'm going to jerk off while you guys sit over there. Is that cool? No, it's not cool. All right, well, I'm going to do it anyway. All right, we're out of here. You know, as long as he wasn't grabbing and holding. Well, I mean, none of it's right, but he wasn't grabbing and holding down or doing or coming on him like Harvey Weinstein. There, there's, it's, I, I it's, hear what you're saying. What he did was definitely wrong. But yes. the worst part about it, I, I agree. That's it. That's a great point. It's it's the, it's like the Watergate thing. It's it's the cover up. It's yes. it's the the I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy these women's career to you know on the manager side rather I, I guess was where a lot of that is. But the, well, it's the also Louis side. We're he, gonna destroy he, them to cover it up. There's no easy way for him to literally go uh, when he's done. Like uh, you know, like <laughs> we make we make this joke with Weinstein to it that he yells his name every time Weinstein when he comes. There's no way for Louis to go. Oh Louis, all right. Um, Look, this just happened. I know you probably didn't want it to happen. You didn't need to see me do that. Uh, if you got to tell people, fine. I'll just be known as the perverted comic that likes to jerk off in front of people. Like, if he owned up to it, 
then it would be, in a way, mar- better. It'd still be gross and disgusting and wrong, but at least, you know, like, hey, you want to come back to my hotel room? No, I really don't, because you're going to jerk off in front of me. Yeah, you're right. I was going to jerk off in front of you. Like, at least be open and honest with your disgusting perversions and kink, your weird, I want women to watch me jerk off. It's, it's the, the cover-up and the belittling and the destroying. That's what makes it, it horrible. Right. Great. So Ned, you, you, Louie got you into comedy. <laughs> that that, nice, initi- nice initially, yeah, che- like chewed up and hilarious were the for, were the first two comedy specials that I ever really fell in love really with. Good. And by the way, don't, um, don't don't jump in with your opinion on any of this at any time. Don't wait for questions. If you have a thought as we're just bullshitting, jump in with your opinion, please. Your thoughts, sure. your ideas. Sure. No, it sounds good. So um, I, I was I was going to the I started going to the comedy cellar all the time. This was like probably like four years ago i'm 30 now it was probably like 25 or 26 i started going to the cellar it's my favorite became my favorite place on earth old yankee stadium the comedy cellar uh and i can't go to the old yankee stadium anymore so um i loved seeing comics up close and so i was working at a tech company i worked at webmd um like i didn't, wasn't working in entertainment at all hadn't started a company um didn't know what i was doing but I thought I wanted to be a comedian myself. So I was writing a TV show and I was doing a little bit of stand-up comedy. I am not a comic myself. Like that, this stuff never really saw the light of day. But it's something I spent hours on. You, many, you many. You never many took nights. it to an open mic, or you took it to an open mic. And I did a, I did a, I did a handful of open mics, but the overwhelming majority of the stuff that I've written um, has never been seen by anybody else, and that that is a good thing for humanity. And, I will probably keep it that way, but it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. Cause that, that's not why I was, it's not like, well, I didn't become a successful comic. So it was a waste of time. It was a great use of time. Cause I, I really just love the creative process. I didn't have any experience with that before. Um, so I was, I would continue to go to the cellar. I was continuing to write. And then I, I just eventually realized, all right, I'm probably not talented enough to make it as a, as a, as an artist myself, but wow, do these comics have it really rough um, just as far as how much time and effort it takes to build an audience. Like, it's just a very slow process, uh, even for the most talented, you know, lucky people. So can we help comics find a bigger audience? And then I was a comedy fan, and I wanted to make it easier for myself and for, you know, other people in my shoes to to find comedians that they'd really enjoy. So, and that started with... Um, and we decided to get started with podcasts. We didn't know ex- like exactly what the pr- what the initial product was going to be, um, and we decided to start with podcasts just because they do have a discovery problem. Um, and you know, we're trying to solve that with the app, and then hopefully scale up from there. But um, you know, I feel lucky to be working on this because I, I genuinely care about comedy. It's like really, comedy and music are my two favorite things in the world. Um, I have no idea whether this will succeed in the long run, but uh, I'm at least enjoying it. And I have a, a, a co-founder uh, who works in the UK who has also loves comedy, totally separate, you know, com- British comedians. There's not a ton of overlap. Um, and he and I are just having a, a great time kind of building something from scratch and seeing where it goes. Nice. That's so who fantastic. knows? Um, you said one thing that I, I, I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I finally realized, all right, let's, let's, he's in a flow. Let's not interrupt him. Um, you got it now. You're totally up to speed in the, the origin story. So I will tell you this. Uh, you said you didn't have enough talent to be a comedian. Uh, I, from from everything I have learned or seen or discovered, talent has very little to do with the success in in comedy. You can watch a Premium Blend back in the day and see a whole bunch of people that had a fairly okay, somewhat decent six minutes, but never went anywhere. It's just 
it's networking. Yeah, it yeah. Is like you can tell there's definitely life. a lot of them out there who got their special by watching enough comics jacking off and not saying anything about it. I, I think that's how a lot of them did it. Based yeah, on I think you can definitely you can be you can fool you can f- kind of get um like you know if you have your first like you know six eight twelve minutes whatever else just it's really good even if you're not that naturally funny a person you can kind of make it work for a while but if you actually want to stick around you, you got to come up with that you know a, a good 45 sure and then yeah, once you burn that you got to come up with the next 45 or an hour and i think that's where you start to see who's really a talented comic or not yes who can, i agree who that, I, I i read something about jack nicholson um talking about how lucky he was to get easy rider and I can't remember if it was a quote or something, but basically luck opens the door for you. You get your lucky break, but talent keeps you in the game. Like you can get a lucky break and then you wash out. I moved and I don't remember their names anymore because I, I remember when it happened. I moved to Los Angeles uh, to to try and get, you know, I've never wanted to be an actor or have my special or be a movie star. I just wanted like a couple TV credits or something so that I could get gigs easier. I've just always loved comedy. I've never been in. So I moved to Los Angeles, and as soon as I got there, I realized, shit, I should have gone to New York, I think, because that's more comedy friendly than acting friendly. But um, I knew three people. I met actively three people, two men and a woman, who started doing comedy after I did. They got Comedy Central's premium blend almost right away, and then they stopped doing comedy of like two or three years later because that was their break, but they had nothing. They had no follow-through. They're like, yay, this is going to open the door for me, make me a star, and Hollywood sat there going, all right, what do you got? Did you write a sitcom? Did you write a movie? And they're like, make me a star. And they're like, all right, moving on. Like, they, they think that Hollywood is the star maker, but when you get your opportunity, you have to do something with it. They, they had their six minutes. They did not have anything else. They didn't fall. And so, yeah, I, I watched them begin comedy, achieve a level of success that's pretty goddamn good, getting on Comedy Central, getting on TV, and quit comedy. And it was very interesting to see that happen. And I'm like, still in the trenches, trudging along, doing what I do as best I can. For sure, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's competitive, but you know anything that's worth doing. If the, if the pyramid is going to be narrow, it is. So um, that's the backstory. And now the app. Now you said you want to help comedians um, be discovered. How do you get the laughable app discovered? And right now, um, you you were very uh, honest. You said, "Who knows where it's going to go from here?" So I'm assuming right now it's not a profitable windfall for you. Is it a money drain? Do you have another job, or is it just sort of like a you got a job, you sort of do this? It's not you know you haven't mortgaged the house or anything uh, to keep it afloat. Is it just sort of a balance, like you, you're working on it, you want it to work, or is it your full time thing? I'm, I might have mortgaged a house if I had a house to mortgage. I just meant uh, uh, <laughs> taking out loans, going deep in the hole. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 uh, I cashed in my, I cashed in my 401k for this, you know, I've, I've, I've put, uh, not like there was that much in it, but no, I've put, I've put basically every dollar that I have in this company. It is a, it is a full-time job for me and for my, my co-founder. And we've raised, uh, we've raised some money from, from outside investors, from angel investors. Venture Uh, capital. Yeah. Um, equity equity financing right so these are people that will have an owner you know an ownership stake in the company um so do you get a hopefully lot of sponsorship valuable, so. from from companies uh what kind of sponsorships well like i i some of the some of the podcasts i listen to they'll they'll have like uh live reads for blue apron or stamps.com do, do, do you do anything like that no we don't have any ads uh in the app 
Um, okay. You know, we, we, we've barely started generating revenue. Um, well, it's good to hear you're generating something because, you know, like Jake and I, it, it doesn't cost us a ton of money. We have no sponsors. We're just sort of in the hole for a couple bu- a couple hundred bucks every year. Not a big deal. We, you know, we do it just to get our voices out there. And because we're comedians, we use the podcast as a place to just talk where we don't necessarily have to be funny, but we also germinate ideas. Jake's walked away and I've walked away with premises or that we fleshed out, not through like, hey, let's try this bit, but just through talking. But Plus, we both do amateur webcam porn on the side, and this is also a way for us to kind of advertise that. So I guess in a way we're sponsored by our own web pa- webcam right. pages, you know? This is true. Cro- Cross-platform. It's right. smart. Exactly. But either way, so uh, we, we don't sink a ton of money into this, but it's definitely not profitable. It's definitely we're out of pocket to talk to people, but, you know, so it's, it's good to hear you're getting something coming back in. And where yeah, does that yeah. revenue come from, if not sponsorships? Yeah. It's it's still early, so we we've uh, you know we we have some some data and analytics tools that we we sold to to a couple different uh, groups of people and uh, and started selling some tickets to to live shows um, like we did our our second ever show at the Comedy Cellar uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, that's awesome! Um, Very nice. Yeah, and but it's, for us, it's really not about making money right now. It's about building a brand and building an audience uh, and building trust with the artistic, you know, with the with the with the artist community, um, and 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 continuing to just make the product as as good as it's as good as it can be, um, and you know, take continuing to to raise kind of outside financing so we can pay ourselves meager salaries and keep the lights on uh, and continue Eat. to scale the thing. Yeah, exactly. Food. Um, sideways question. It, it, the app is called Laughable, and you said it's focused on stand-up comedy. But in passing, you said there are other things on there. Um, what other things are focused on podcasts? There? What's that? What other what other kind of content of podcasts? And um, so the focus is comedy. But what other content do you have uh, then? Yeah, good question. So we so we started out it was exclusively comedy, and we're like, if it's not if this if this podcast is not hosted by a comedian, we will not include it in Laughable. Um, and we, we wound up kind of making, relaxing those rules over time. And the biggest reason was we heard from users that they, no, they didn't want to use two apps to listen to podcasts. Oh, that and makes a sense. Lot of, so if they so enjoyed yeah. NPR, but they also wanted to hear comedy, they didn't want to switch back and forth like, oh, I want exactly. to hear comedy and exactly. I want to listen to NPR. Too. Yeah. yeah, so okay. people would be like, hey, man, like heard about you through Ari Shafir, really, like, really enjoy it. I also listen to uh, Bill, you know, Bill Simmons or something. Can you add him? Sure. Okay, Bill Simmons is actually pretty funny a lot of the time. And then you have people saying, hey, I actually have this like woodworking podcast or some you know evangelical Christian thing. That they, oh, sure, okay. As long as it's not you know like weird neo-Nazi stuff. You know, we'll put it on there for people. Um, what and if it's just uh, not weird neo-Nazi stuff? What if it's just straightforward neo-Nazi stuff that's not weird? That's like you know, white power. How about that? I, I like, think we have to. I think we have to look at it on a case by case basis. <laughs> now, we. I, I'm not. I, we. Uh, I don't think we have any Nazi users. They. They've been quiet. Uh, and I, I'm yeah, pretty sure we don't have any Nazi right content either. Like, like, hopefully listen, we can keep I'm it trying to get the Joe Rogan podcast and the Third Reich Weekly on the same app, but goddamn it, nobody's working with <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So you right. could you know, be the first. Laughable could be the first to combine Joe Rogan and Third Reich Weekly. Hopefully not. It would, it would have to be. A, it would have to be a mistake. Um, or, or you don't know. Third Reich Weekly could be hilarious. It could be the funniest goddamn right wing Nazi propaganda podcast out there. That is true. It's like how fu- how funny would an ISIS podcast have to be in order for us to include it? 
Or wouldn't there it be is... funny if if a dude was an ISIS member or a Nazi, and like that was that was the theme of the podcast, but he was just coincidentally really funny as well. Like he, like he was great at writing puns or dick jokes or something like that. Like if you just listen to it and 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 kind of block out all the Nazi stuff, the guy's hilarious. Like he's cracking jokes in between the Nazi stuff, but uh, it's it's he's unfortunately just sort of pigeonholed in in that market. <laughs> kind of like how you, you absolutely ignore the fact that Adolf Hitler was Adolf Hitler, a genocidal maniac, but you gotta love his art. Oh, his paintings. You you go to the showings and they buy and sell for millions of dollars and they bring a tear to your eye. You Did gotta separate pictures of Adolf Hitler's paintings online. Is that like a thing? I, I don't know where they are. I've seen, it's actually, I've only seen one or two, and they are very pedestrian. They're not good paintings. I saw one on uh, the old Colbert Report. Um, I'm sure we all know that Steve uh, Steve Martin is an avid art collector, and so um, Stephen Colbert tried to trick him. He There were a series of paintings. He said, okay, I want you to talk about these paintings and discuss art, and he showed something abstract, and, Stephen, and, and Steve Martin went, oh, this is very nice. I like this, and then they showed this cottage, and even I could tell it looked like a shitty Thomas Kincaid cottage piece of shit. And uh, Steve Martin went, mm, I don't, I don't care for this. I can't tell. It just looks very childish. And then it was an Adolf Hitler. And it's like, well, there you go. <laughs> Not a good painter, a, a good genocidal maniac, if that's what you're into. If you're into hating other races and having them wiped out, uh, sure, he was good at that. Not a good painter. Right, right. Well, it's kind of like yeah, Jesus so couldn't have been a great carpenter. You never hear anybody bragging about having a Jesus table. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They kind of got That's lost. True. Living in one of his houses or yeah. a stool that Jesus made. This is true. A better savior of man than a carpenter. Dude, we should just start can't... making fake Jesus furniture and selling it online to idiots. <laughs> <laughs> what I was thinking is I can't wait until I run for political office, which will never happen, and someone goes back in and takes that my comment out of context. Hitler, great genocidal maniac. <laughs> so, but yeah, we should, we should sell uh, well, Jesus furniture. That's what's nice about comedy, though, is that you guys kind of have that license to 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 push the boundaries a little bit. Yeah, this is just satire. Also, my girlfriend's search history is satire as well because I just typed in "Hey Hitler paintings" on her computer, and I'm seeing what comes up here. Actually, this one looks pretty good. Wait, it's no, it's not a Hitler painting. Sorry, sorry, I don't know what. Google How do you Google Hitler paintings and not get Hitler paintings? I don't know that. Wait, is this is this my Hitler? Shit, I think he should have. Based off this one, he should have gotten into art school. I don't know. They were they were real. They were real painting Nazis at his art school because this is <laughs> this is a good painting as far as I'm concerned. Well, if only those dicks had liked it, uh, then we wouldn't uh, have had World War II or any of the bullshit that asshole caused. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the Vienna State Opera House by Adolf Hitler, and it looks pretty good. I mean, is it is it as uh, creative as Van Gogh with the, or, or, or what's his name, Salvador Dali with the melting clocks? No. But that's why he's trying to get into art school. You don't go into art school a graduate. You know what I'm saying? You, you go in, this is a good painting. I mean, I, I hate to be sitting here spewing pro Hitler propaganda, but I think he was a decent painter. I mean, on an objective level, when you separate the politics of it, look, he's got people walking around. There's a, actually the carriage is kind of shit. No, and I'm looking at it. It's like it's like an opera house with a bunch of people walking around. Still, a lot of detail, good shading. I feel. So no, this but then is again, I don't know shit about paintings. 
<laughs> this is where I have to ask Ned the question, how much do you regret being on this podcast right now? This is great. This is great. I, I, I'm just not a, uh, I'm just not a comic myself. So I don't, I'm, I, I don't, I, I don't feel any, uh, any need to, uh, to try to keep up with you guys. It's fun to listen to you though. Oh, I wasn't keep, saying keep, keep up. I thought I was giving you the opportunity to distance yourself. <laughs> well, I went on this podcast and they started talking pro Hitler paintings <laughs> in a way. That's deep regret. But here's, here's now I'm, now I'm going to have a Hitler painting conspiracy going um do you think maybe some of the better hitler paintings i'm finding on google were just made by really good painters after the nazis got big and they were like dear leader hitler painted this because you know that's what they would do in north korea right, oh, right they would have right, like right. the best north korean painter make something and be like dear leader kim jong-il is an awesome painter he painted this at eight with with finger paints and they would they would just claim it was him when it was some other guy Maybe that's what's going on with some of these Hitler paintings. Like, they confiscated some of the paintings and were like, fuck it, we're going to sign Hitler on the bottom of this thing. I, that actually makes a lot of sense. I think we've, we've begun to uncover something. Um, Ned, you had said you'd, you'd written some TV shows. Maybe, uh, you know, the, it's like uh, um, the Monuments Men, the Clooney movie, only this time they're discovering the actual Hitler paintings that are bad and not the uh, ones that are lionized online as being Hitler the good artist. You, We've got to get to the bottom of this conspiracy theory and find out what white nationalists are out there painting decent paintings and signing Hitler to the bottom. This was painted in 2000-tell. We carbon dated it. Or you can tell by the brush strokes this was not painted in 1925. Of all the weird, of all the weird things you could get into, just imagine becoming a, like a neo-Nazi on your own volition, and and becoming an expert on Hitler's watercolors. It's just of all of all the things, and there, these people exist still. I mean, I, we saw it with the with the Charlottesville stuff. Yeah. It was, I think it was in it was somewhere in South America. Uh, in the last few months, they found this like massive trove of old Nazi paraphernalia, you know, uniforms and. China and people are still collecting this stuff. There's a whole black market for it. It's just bizarre. Yeah. In addition to being, you know, the whole evilness element, it's just weird, isn't it? Well, no, it, well, it's weird, but it's not because evil will always exist. I mean, you there are people that talk about the time when we become a post-racial harmony uh, society where everybody's equal. Racism's always exist. Homophobia's always exist. So I, I don't think we'll ever get over that shit. It'll ebb and it'll flow. But yeah, but I see what nothing you're surprises that, me anymore. Yeah. And it's sad. I'm not happy about it. I've just sort of resigned myself to the fact that humanity has pockets of good and evil, and we just can hope that the evil is smaller than the good. Yeah, but why but, can't you just be a good old-fashioned racist? Why do you have right, to? Why that, do you yeah. have to? Why do you have to become a fascist inspired by Germans oh, who were born over a hundred years ago? Right, right. But and, and I get, I get the Nazis that are are like the Edward Nortons in American History X. Like I'm a skinhead and I, I'm in it for the for the hate crimes. But the people I, who are just collecting the weird stuff, like how bad would it suck to go to prison as the the Nazi like art nerd? You know what I'm saying? Like that guy's getting passed <laughs> around the showers uh, left and right. It's like, what got you into Nazis? Oh, I like curb stomping Mexicans. What got you into Nazis? Throwing windows through synagogue or throwing bricks through synagogue windows. How about you? I like the paintings. Look at the brush strokes here. I'm about, like, that skinhead is so raped. He is so raped in prison. Yeah, you, you figure he, so. he's got to be at the he's got to be at the bottom of the Nazi social order, right? Oh yeah, that's, that's the art the art historian Nazi. Nazi right there. Yeah, yeah. 
That's the saddest Nazi. They should make a movie about that guy called the saddest Nazi. <laughs> Didn't uh, Jerry Lewis try that? Oh, that was the sad Nazi clown. Or was he a Jewish clown and Nazi? I don't remember that. That famous uh, buried Jerry Lewis movie. I I didn't see that one. Jeez. No one saw it. It got buried. You, it, it was uh, the famous uh, Google Jerry Lewis clown movie, and I think it was it was the, it was almost exactly like the Robin Williams one, where he was a clown in a concentration camp trying to cheer up uh, the prisoners. And I think they filmed it and went, "This is a horrible movie. This is the worst movie ever made." And he just never allowed it to be showed. Oh, and this was made in 1972. And then he died, and now everybody was waiting for like, ah, it's going to get released online. We finally get to see this horrible Nazi clown movie. And it still hasn't. I think his, his estate is protecting it. Like, nope, that ain't getting shown. Wow, that far lit. So was it supposed to be uh, just a straight-up comedy about a funny concentration camp? Or was it supposed <laughs> to be a drama about, like, oh, we're finding light in dark places and, like, some kind of artistic shit? I think both, but more of the latter. I think it was. I don't think it was supposed to be a slapstick sort of, you know, Marx Brothers esque Jerry Lee Lewis, or Jerry Lee Lewis, Jerry Lewis nutty professor in a concentration camp. I think it was more art, like uh, what was that shitty movie that never deserved an Oscar? Life is Beautiful. I think it was supposed to be something like that. God, did I hate that fucking movie? Life no, with that beautiful. with that jackass, he stood up on the on the chairs chair at the Oscar. Yeah. yeah, I I was. I got more and more angry yeah, as I'm that not movie familiar went with this, on. But yeah, it, that's the thing. If you make any movie about a concentration camp, you, you have to make it a good movie. You can't go, hey, let's make a, a really moving uh, movie about a concentration camp. Who's going to be our lead man? Ah, let's get Brandon Frazier or somebody. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just get any old fucking guy that'll do it on the cheap. <laughs> Was Polly Shore not available? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Polly Shore. <laughs> the, the concentration camp survivor who could. I, I don't know. We'll just, yeah. We'll just make it we'll half acid. We, let's just do it for like, I don't know, a few, few hundred thousand who will sink into this concentration camp movie that was probably the original premise for encino man he gets thawed in a concentration camp they they're they're, they're digging uh for food they're digging their fingers to the bone for food trying to eat dirt and they come across encino man oh i hate hollywood so much because i could see them doing that on a related note there was I, I mean i'm i'm thinking this like this this once this wave of like exposing men doing things they shouldn't be doing it has has kind of fully washed over society i'm not sure there's going to be anybody anybody left there was a uh, there's a, a medium post that came out in the last couple of weeks and the the headline is when i was 19 years old Ely Wiesel grabbed my ass he wrote he wrote that book night like very famous book about right, being, right, uh, right, right. I'm. Yeah. Uh, uh, we we've talked this to. It's like. Oh, you guys are about that specific. No, thing? no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I, no, no. I'm not. I, I don't mean to shit on your thing. I just. I'm getting. I'm having a. Oh, just this fucking subject again. Because I don't even know who Ely Wiesel is. Well, yeah, but we kind of got to talk about like there's new people every week. It's I know, which is honestly and, as an up and coming comic is kind of inspiring to me. Uh, this is this is creating some spots. So honestly, if there's any movie <laughs> producers listening, uh, know that I have never jacked off in front of women. Uh, not even my own girlfriend. That's for when she's at work. So if you're looking to hire somebody, if you got some slots to fill uh no pun intended i i do not jack off in front of women so there we go what about men in front Ooh. of men ah, no comment no comment whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> sorry i wasn't expecting That's these weird questions out of left field. no i guess the reason i got to uh, this subject is because 
there seems to be very little upfront differentiation between anything. And what I mean by that is everything in the moment is explosive until it's not. And Adam Sandler put his hand on an actress's knee on the Graham Norton show, and it was fucking everywhere. Oh my God, how dare he? Women need to stand up. And this is this goes even, like, should Adam Sandler be putting his hand on, on, on an actress's knee? Probably not. You know, if she says, I, I don't feel comfortable with that, stop doing it. But even the actress laughed it off and said, no, we're talking, we're on a show. He's just talking. He's, a, you know, he's not grabbing my boob. He just Yeah, but it's, it's a I one, did. not a ten. I feel like that stuff's going to get washed over. I mean, yeah, that is it an is, unfortunate but it, 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 the, side I'm saying at the moment, it but... gets blown up and then it does get washed over. But why do we have to have the goddamn blow up every fucking time? Why can't we look at a thing and go, ah, let's just not have this one explode on Yeah, Twitter. I mean, it's but ridiculous, no. but overall, I feel like this is a good thing, man. I mean... Oh, yeah, so if, do I. If, I agree. If it's one good. guy gets gets somebody saying, oh, he put his hand on an actress's knee, whatever, whatever. I mean, yeah, that that's they're, they're overreacting to it, but if you start hearing the same stories about the same guy over and over and over again, yeah, then yeah, that's yeah. shit that needs to be addressed, and that's an important thing to to do, and so that, that's, that's why I feel like overall it's a good thing, but how weird is it to just whacking off in front of women, right? Because that's the thing is I I caught myself in the mirror masturbating. That's the least hot I ever am. I would never <laughs> want to, even, even if yeah. you asked me to do it, even if you were like, Jake, guess what? I talked to a dirty genie and he said every female comic on the planet wants you to jack off in front of them. I'd be like, no, they want to roast me. That sounds awful. Like that would be a punishment for me if I get caught cheating, was now it's like now you have to whack off in front of female comics as they roast you. Like, ah, look at that, you're getting flaccid. What did you catch a glimpse at yourself in the mirror? Oh, you look even more like Steve Buscemi when you're jacking off. What's up, Mr. Pink, or should I say, Mr. Pinky? Oh, <laughs> oh, yuck. Like that would that just it doesn't sound like I don't know why you would want to do that because. The guys who you hear about whacking off in front of people, they're not good-looking guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you even Yeah, I want to know if this would that? be a thing if it was Brad Pitt. You know, right. it would be like, ooh, then Brad Pitt jerked off in front of me. Then it would be like this this, this source of pride. Like, yeah, it's I just such a weird Brad thing. Pitt jerk off as opposed to Louis' flabby ginger body. Yeah. It's crazy. He's a celebrity, though. Uh, that's it's true. true. Well, I, I, in 2002, he was a very minor celebrity. Is the thing is he was not big then. Um, he was a minor. But I want you talk yeah, about. But, uh, but, but within comedy, I mean, he had already been a producer, he was Conan, comedy, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But here's what's what's crazy for me thinking about you know these guys get exposed. You know the the, the real serial ones like you know Weinstein. Um, so these are the things that we these are the situations we've heard about. How many times did they get away with it? Oh yeah, like, oh, yeah. like a lot. Yeah. This um, is, well, and then people who aren't necessarily, you know, like necessarily criminals, but are definitely pr sketchy predators, like Clinton. I mean, there were there were de decade there was decade after decade where basically every time Bill Clinton was alone in a room with a woman, he would take his dick out. Oh and yeah, good, and good things happened to it a lot of the time because he was, you know, the governor of yeah, Arkansas right. and president, which emboldened him. Dominique Strauss-Kahn, same thing. These guys just kind of operated with impunity for decades.
Well, yeah, and especially with, with Clinton. That happened before social media and stuff like that. So there wasn't any any hashtags. Bill Clinton grabbed my ass too. There wasn't there wasn't any of that shit. It was like if, if it didn't get on a major news network, it kind of went quiet. And it did eventually get big enough to where it got on the major news stuff. But like you said, what about the stuff that didn't? There had to have been a ton of them. And that's why I think the Kevin Spacey story is interesting because I had, um, and this is only starting to come to light. There was a story um, I had a friend that worked on The Usual Suspects and told me firsthand about the huge fight he and Brian Singer, the director, got in over, um, I, I had heard that it was a, a guy they both wanted to fuck, but I, now the stories are conflicting that's coming out online saying Brian Singer bought an 18-year-old uh, to set that was his, quote, boyfriend, and Kevin Spacey stole him. But either way, the whole point is I knew 15, 17 years ago that Kevin Spacey was A, gay, and B, into really young boys. But um, And so as, as, as the first story hit, you could tell there was this sense that everybody was waiting. It wasn't a matter of, like we say, um, Jake said a second ago, like with the first story, okay, you, you treat it with like, okay, are there going to be more? And then when 10 people have the same story, you could tell all of Hollywood, the way they started terminating contracts, they were, they knew, everybody knew what Kevin Spacey was up to, but they just let it go until the dam, like the, the cracks appeared in the dam and then they cut ties immediately. There was no... You know, there was no backing him up. There was no like, mm, let's see where this goes. They knew what Kevin Spacey was up to, and they knew it was oh, going yeah. to come out. And they knew that one story was going to lead to two, to three, to four, to five, to the point where um, uh, John, what's his name, Bernthal, I'm getting it. The guy that plays the Punisher was in the movie Baby Driver with Kevin Spacey, and that's just a year old. And he said... I lost, he came in an interview yesterday and said, I lost a ton of respect for Kevin Spacey after working with him. I watched how he treated people on set like a bully, and I, I didn't see anything you know graphically sexual, but if I had seen him talking to women the way I saw him talking to men, I would have said something. The only He's like, I'm sort of an unknown actor, and so I sort of kept my peace, but if I had saw him treat a woman the way he was treating a man, I well, would have stepped that's, in. That is a little bit different, and let me start It, it is, this but I'm sentence. just saying everybody knew about Kevin Spacey. I mean, like, right, everybody but, knew. Okay, let me start this sentence by saying I'm not pro-Kevin Spacey or what Kevin Spacey did. This might However, be the first time I've ever heard you apologize before a statement like I usually do. Go yes, ahead. Yes, and anything he did with anybody underage... Obviously, he should be in jail for fuck rehab. Oh, I'm addicted to molesting young boys. No, really, I'm addicted to strangling hitchhikers. Uh, I'm in a 12-step program. Like, no, fuck you. You're a criminal. Um, to be fair, hitchhikers have it coming. Continue. Some of them are annoying. But anyway, I, like, some of these that I'm reading about Kevin Spacey, they're, they're grown men when it happened. And I'm not yes. saying what he did was right to him. But what I'm saying is when it happens to a woman, it's different because, like, it's, it's, it's much worse because yes, I agree. There's a physical intimidation factor. There's a yes. size difference. There's a, even even if a dude's a little bit bigger than you, you can you can fight him off as a dude. With the women ain't really unless they're like trained fighters. It's it's not as easy to get guys up off them. They're just they're not they're not built for it. You know what I mean for the most part. But they, some of these guys like I read one the other day where he was saying I was just a 22 year old crew member and it's like okay well what have he stuck his hand down my pants. And what happened? Well, I just stood there. Well, then, okay, you're not like women who Harvey Weinstein pounced on naked with a boner. You're, 
You're, you just kind of let another dude stick his hand down your pants at that fucking yeah, point. You can swing a fist. At 22, someone, and some of them not even that bad. I mean, sticking a hand down the pants, grabbing your dick, I'd be taken back. I'd be like, dude, what the fuck? But some yeah. of them are whining and complaining and saying, well, he was graphic and would say, like, how'd you like to suck a famous guy's right. dick? And, and if someone said that to me, I'd be like, dude, fuck off. Or I just, right. I'd walk right. away and roll my eyes. Like, if I was a PA that wanted yeah. to keep my job, I would be like, all right, yeah, on the set in five, and I would just leave. I would ignore it, and I wouldn't. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't you're, you're have PTSD. A grown man. I would just man. be you're like, over 18 years old, yes. you're a grown man. You didn't get like you. At a certain point, it turns into the you let another guy jerk you off. And a lot of these guys, I hate to say it, um, since they they oh they kept going back there. It's it sort of seems like they were maybe thinking this might get them a role in something and the yeah. fact that it didn't they might be salty about it so now they want to they want to act like they're victims or something it, like dude no like get get them off you even you, i'm not saying even swing at the guy look even if i was just screw uh hanging out out with a celebrity whatever if a gay friend of mine was drunk and just grabbed my dick it wouldn't even ruin our friendship like i would get them off me not even like i would just kind of like push them off a bit be like hey man uh, too much. You, you got a few too many drinks. I wouldn't even say nothing homophobic about it. I'd be like, hey, listen, man, I'm sorry if I came off the wrong way. I, you know, I got a girlfriend, whatever. If he kept doing it, yeah, now we're going to have issues. But I, look, if, but if he grabs my dick and I just let him do it, well, then I just, I'd, I'd let a guy grab my dick at that point. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, but that physical intimidation factor isn't really there with men and men like it is with men and women. I agree with you, and I'm going to go one step further, and this is where you have to be careful with victim-blaming and Well, right. And, and right. I'm not, I'm not, again, well, I'm no, not no, saying no. what he did to these guys is right. I'm just saying— No, I'm saying I'm, I'm going not, one I'm step not giving further. them the same kind of uh, credence, I guess, if, if that's the right word, as I would a woman in that situation. No, I agree with you. I'm, I, what I'm saying, what I'm about to say is one step above and beyond what you're saying. Uh, I have a son. Right now he's three years old. When my son is 14 years old... Oh, keep him away from Kevin old, Spacey if that's what you're going to yeah. ask. Well, I'm going to say when my son... Yeah, that's exactly what I'm about to say, is when my son is 14 years old, where this first allegation came from, I am not going to let him go like, hey, where are you going, buddy? Oh, I'm going to a party with a bunch of actors and a play I'm doing. A bunch of men are going to be there. <laughs> like, that was the first accusation, is I was 14 at this party with Kevin Spacey and a bunch of adults, and they were drinking and all like... Why is a 14-year-old there? Where are his parents? Now, I'm again, not victim-blaming, because he got out of there. He did exactly what you said. He's like, dude, get the fuck off me. You know, like, he, when he, that first Kevin Spacey story came out, it wasn't like, and I was 14, and he, he picked me up and carried me like a... He's like, dude, he picked me up, he carried me like a bride, it was fucking weird, and I got out of there. He handled it the right way as a 14... Like, yeah. kudos and props to him, but why the fuck was a 14-year-old at an adult party? That... Yeah, no Still shit. boggles my mind. Dude, when my kid turns turns 13, I'm getting him a punching bag that it looks exactly like Kevin Spacey with a boner. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be like, listen, <laughs> Kevin Spacey's coming at you with the boner. What are you going to do? Yeah. First, you set it up with the jab. You get inside. You, you, and then and then that's when you start throwing hooks and uppercuts right in the ball sack. Go right for the ball sack and then the chin. Put, take him down. Take Kevin Spacey down. I'm training him. <laughs> I like that one. That made me laugh. Um, He's on the downswing of his career anyway. We didn't. We're not going to miss out on that many good movies. I don't know, no. man. He was still on. Like House of Cards was a huge show. It was. He was. I mean, up there. Am I? Am I going to say the greatest thing he's ever done? Two. Two. 
whole career, but it was good. I saw, I watched your first season. It was great, man. Also, first season was awesome. Uh, I guess it's uh, diminishing returns. From what I understand, it just, you know, uh, first season sense, great, man. second season good, third season watch. Well, you know, and, I, and a, I, lot I of, a lot of dramatic series, unfortunately, are like that. Because yeah. what will happen, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing just by watching a lot of them and seeing just where the plot goes, is they'll have a season or two where there's a clear beginning, middle, end. There's a, there's a solid story in it, Right. And then they'll keep the story, the seasons going where it, it looks like what happened is the the producers and everybody went, look, you guys had really excess, successful seasons with this, write another one. And they're like, well, there, there was a beginning and a middle and end to my story. The conclusion has happened. Now I guess I have to write off of the conclusion, even though half the fucking characters are dead. <laughs> like whatever else and so it's like all right well i guess i'll have the two remaining characters and some extras fart around for a while and it's just it's like just the, the plot is not there it, it, it doesn't your story ended so like I'm... what do you do now that the story is ended and it just it just doesn't fucking work or or a lot of them are like well they were in these extreme situations so i'll make this situations even more extreme and more wild and then it just gets to a point to where it's it's too extreme to where I, I can't get on board with the plot anymore because it's it's just too over the top. You know what I'm saying? They have to keep they have to keep one upping themselves to the point I, where it just gets ridiculous. I will give you the perfect example of that. The TV show Rescue Me with Dennis Leary. The first two seasons are some of the best television I have ever seen. Yeah, the first great. season was phenomenal. The second season was great. And then it just became the same goddamn problems for seasons three, four, five, six. I don't know. They might have done a seven. I think they did. I'm not. But it was just the same, the exact same problems. Like, okay, he's having issues with his ex-wife. He's having an affair with this woman. And they don't go away. It's like the affair keeps going and then it changes. Then there's another woman. So it just got stagnant. They just didn't like the plot. It just just became. And it, it was so depressing, too, because you're like, the first two seasons were so fucking good if only they could have created new problems for season three or new characters new ideas but it was just oh now he's in a fight with his ex-wife oh now they're back together oh almost almost no one pulls it off almost no one pulls it off though i mean breaking bad pulled it off for what seven seasons yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. It's like six, seven seasons. And yeah, that I, I think for a show that long, that's the gold standard right there. I mean, that every season kept getting better and better and better. And, and they had an amazing conclusion to the whole thing. It was it was fucking great. Yeah. The, gu- the, the guns in the ending. trunk was the guns in the trunk was stupid. But aside from that, it was a good ending. Yeah, I mean, yeah. OK, the guns in the trunk was kind of fucking dumb, but I it minor it, quibble. Yeah, yeah, it was it was minor as as far as as far as just the general plot of it. I, I mean that that was a small logistics thing. I can handle small logistics, especially since like I I I was in the, the infantry for seven years. So yeah, gun shit in movies and TV shows. I sort of have to put on blinders and be like, all right, yeah, that that wouldn't have happened. Um, it, it was holding it funny. Just stupid shit it drives me nuts with firearms and movies and, and TV shows. But I, I kind of have to get past it. Yeah, there's no fucking way that gun in the trunk thing would would have worked at all. But uh, yeah, I can I can I can look past that one. Like like fine, it was kind of creative. It can you know whatever. All right, one final thing before we sign off. We're running out of time. I had sent this to Jake. Um... There's no real segue for it. That's why I just sort of waited for you to finish talking so that I could just quick bring this up. 
uh, Roy Moore is running for the Senate in Alabama, and he is a right-wing like when if if listeners you don't know or if anybody doesn't know, uh, Jeff Sessions became the attorney general, so his Senate seat was up for grabs. And Trump endorsed a guy, and Roy Moore is to the right of the guy that Trump wanted to win. You know, Trump said, "Hey, vote for this guy," and Alabama went, "Nope, not conservative enough, not asshole enough, not homophobic enough, not anti-woman enough." And they went to the right. His name's Moore. He's got more of that shit for him. You know what I'm saying? That's his that's his Ah, campaign platform. Yeah, yeah. Tip your server, Jake. No, so um, now it's coming out. Allegations, again, we don't know. They're calling them political uh, bullshit and lies, but allegations are coming out that when he was in his 30s, he was molesting uh, young girls, uh, 14 years old and around that age. Now, First Louis, now this, all my heroes this week. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So here, this is what I wanted to talk about. Uh, Some people are denying, Roy Moore is denying it happened. There are three, I believe, women that are saying that he molested them, maybe five, I forget. But um, where is it? Alabama State Auditor Jim Ziegler told the Washington Examiner, there's nothing immoral or illegal here, maybe a little bit unusual, because if you look at Roy Moore and compare him to the Bible, take Joseph and Mary. Mary was a teenager and Joseph was an adult carpenter. They became the parents of Jesus. So they are now conservative Christians, or at least this guy is going to, they're going to justify molestation uh, using the Bible. And they, they consider themselves moral, and Alabama will probably vote him into the Senate. If they don't, I will be happily surprised. But I just, just when you, th- it's, it's almost impossible to be a comedian these days because you're supposed to be satirical and take things to the nth degree. You're supposed to bump things up and make them absurd. And so then he something said because like this Mary was upset. a teenager, you're saying... He's saying that and Roy Joseph. Moore can touch 14-year-old girls in his 30s. When Roy Moore was 30, touching 14-year-old girls, that's fine because Mary was a teenager and Joseph was an adult. It's uh. in the Bible that adult males can touch. They're justifying molestation. Right. How Be- do you because, do comedy? Because Joseph, when- Be- because Joseph was, a, was a trailblazing statutory rapist. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I, and then the other talking point that they're, that they're giving is that, that – she, well, she might have been 14, but she, gave, she consented. That's the other one. That's the, the one Hannity was true. talking about last night. And yeah, I didn't hear that I'll one. Defend so his yes, can- it's okay if the 14-year-old says, sure. I'll, I'll, de- I'll defend his tactics of using the Bible to justify the uh, uh, 14-year-old thing with another quote from the Bible. John uh, 69, 17, uh, in for a penny, in for the pound, quoted Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Double down. Just double down on it. So. Yeah, you do kind of feel like the com- it's it's hard to even ring comedy out comedy out of this stuff nowadays. And Trump and just the 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 right wing insanity in general because it's already a parody of itself, and we've seen so much of it, you kind of get tired of it. There's, right. there's not even a novelty factor well, to it. And that's what South Park said. The, the South Park guys, Trey and Matt, said we're not going to touch Donald Trump this season. Because we can't make him any more absurd than he already is, so fuck it. Right. it, it right. They, they they said we quit. He's just gonna go be Trump, and we can't. We we our job is absurdity. We can't top that. Right. Uh, all right. I always so like that, on... the, that the states that didn't want gay marriage are always they have the age of consent where it's like seven and a half 16. or whatever the it fuck. Was 16 you know what I'm saying? It's sixteen in Alabama. So yeah, yeah they, like, they what, can say that she agreed, crazy. but she was two years away from consent. It's wild, 16 man. is uh, like if that's old enough. Maybe it's 
somewhat old enough for another 16 year old if you're two teenagers yeah you know i was 16 once and i wanted to fuck other 16 year olds sure but uh i can safely say that uh when i got into my i don't know 20 or something i wasn't looking at 16 year olds going hey and uh, the thought of that at 30 that just makes you want to throw i substitute taught for a while in iowa i i got became a substitute teacher and it's funny because they they did all this training they didn't train you how to be a substitute teacher all the training was literally okay you're gonna be a teacher don't touch the kids okay now now i want to make it clear don't touch the kids okay what about math no no don't touch the kids am i going to be teaching science just don't touch the kids don't molest the kids they're their kids and then you get to these school and you look at them like yeah they're kids there's nothing sexual about them yeah well, sure to, to be other fair, kids you do give me a very kid touchy vibe when i look at you you know what i mean maybe they were just trying to uh, cover their bases there. it was just me not the, maybe the they, training yeah, I think they, they created you, that you know special pamphlet just for me yeah, they have they have they have Timmel pamphlets and the Timmel pamphlets. Uh, they're 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 very different pamphlets. But have you seen a fourteen year old or a sixteen year old? They're not sexual. There's nothing that shows just an absurd, gross. I don't even know what you call it. Not a kink, because a kink is just something different. This is a disease. There's something wrong in your fucking head. And the thing that boggles my mind is is that these are the people that say, we're conservative and love Jesus, and that's how you show it. I, I give up. I actively give up at that point. And when besides, how do they know that Guys, by the way, 14? hey, guys, by the way, I'm, I'm sorry to dis- yeah. I have a 12 o'clock, so I'm Oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. Feel yeah. free to we, obviously we keep going. Over. Um, well, I, just I, give I, it a I wish I could stay on longer. Uh, no, no, the laughable app. We, we've gone long as it is. I wanted to do this last thing. Uh, give us one last plug, Mr. Ned. Uh, go to laughable.com uh, and uh, you can sign up for our Android waitlist there. We're working to get an Android app out or you can download our iPhone app, which is available now. Uh, and if a, uh, the other thing I'd, I'd just ask of anybody listening is if a comedian makes you laugh, tweet at them or email them and tell them that because comics love to hear that stuff. And listen to this podcast using the Laughable app if you can. And uh, is laugh- go give the Laughable app good reviews. Do you have that? Is there a review section uh, like on the Yeah, iTunes there is. That would, that would be great. People are welcome give to do that. Give it five stars. Tell your friends to listen to it. Give our uh, podcast five stars and tell your friends to listen to us. We're just going to sign it off here. Ned, thank you very much for coming on and talking about uh, your app. And thank you for supporting uh, comedy in all its forms, be it stand-up or podcasting comedy. Just thank yeah, you for absolutely, being a comedy man. fan. Thank, thank you so much for being on the show. And, and even, even more so, thank you, for, uh, thank, thank you for creating the app. It's an awesome app, and uh, we're Thanks, happy guys. to be on it. You know, I really appreciate it. Let's talk all again right. soon. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Take care. Bye. Later. All right, it's you and me, Jake, and we're done recording. So, yeah, that was fucking fantastic. We just did an hour. That's how fun that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad we got him on. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do too. I, I, I think I think that went really well. Hey, man, should, uh, I got something. He, I got something in, on the uh, the the Joseph thing. Uh, maybe we can go and and I don't know if this is possible to edit it in, but you want to do a quick one? Um. Well, we're still talking. I I said I was cutting it up, but. If you're still recording, we said later, but okay. hey, listeners, we're still going. I said goodbye, but bonus podcast. Cool. I think I think we should chop some of this out while we're talking about it, though, because it's it's awkward. You know what I'm saying? I think the listeners will make fun of us, but um, I don't mind them making fun of anyway. us. I'd rather have honesty than than lies. How do how do they know that uh, Mary was 14 anyway? You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's a good point. Like I I I don't think that's in the Bible. I mean, granted, I've never. 
read the Bible. But I, I remember going <laughs> to church as a kid, and they would tell it, you know, and, and and I never heard anyone mention. And then the thirty-two and a half-year-old Sagittarius born in October or whatever, Joseph uh, said to the fourteen-year-old Mary, like that never happened. I I never heard any references to age, and so how do they know that? And even if they did. That might give a, a whole new little conspiracy to the whole virgin birth story because Joseph just shows up in this town at this inn and they're like, hey, why do you, a middle-aged man, have this pregnant junior high student? And he's like, oh, uh, I didn't touch her. It was God. She's a virgin. It was immaculate, I swear, you know? And maybe he used that to get off in court. Oh my goodness! See, I've always thought of it the other way. I and and this is how uh, non-religious I am. I had always, I had never pictured or heard that Mary was fourteen. I just always assumed she was a normal, you know, young woman in her twenties or something. So all this, this she's fourteen is new to me. All this, like, uh, um, so I always just naturally believed that uh, oh, she went off and fucked some dude, got pregnant, and then told Joseph, ah, I didn't cheat on you. It was God. Because that's the obvious lie. Right. What you just said makes even more sense. Like, what are you doing with this young girl that you got pregnant? Yeah. Uh, I didn't touch her. It was God. I mean, either God, way. I swear, Your Honor. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think. I think before they went up to every single inn, they were like, I think Joseph was like, now remember, Mary, if anybody asks, God did it. See, God did it. I see. Don't tell anybody. And I, I think that's what was going on there. Oh, that is good. I never looked at it that way. Ah, Jake. You're a clever, creative fella, and I'm glad you're my friend. God damn it! It's hey, don't don't thank me. Thank Roy Moore. You know what I'm saying? He's the one that he's the one that stumbled <laughs> onto this one. I think Roy Moore is telling the truth. I think I think not only is he a pedophile, I think Joseph is a pedophile as well. Ah, I couldn't agree more. That's fantastic. All right, well, listeners, this is the real send off. Do we need to ask Roy Moore more often? Uh, no pun intended. Uh, which Bible characters are actually pedophiles. You know, I, I want to get the juicy inside pedophile gossip from Roy Moore. We should start a new podcast, Idiots on Parade and the Roy Moore Who is a Pedophile in the yeah. Bible podcast. The, the, the VH1 behind the Bible, uh, <laughs> ultra, ultra director's cut, biblical interpretation by Roy Moore. That should be our new podcast. All right. We're going to get on that, listeners. Uh, look for that. Not on the Laughable app, but on the History app, because this is going to be historical. All right, thanks for tuning in. Later.